All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's Brian with Harvest Church, Eugene.com or Harvest Community Church here in Eugene, Oregon. We're so glad you're worshiping Jesus with us today. We're going to be in the Bible in just a moment and continuing our worship. But before we do, I just want to say thanks for watching. I also want to ask you, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, to go into the comments and just say hello. We would love to hear from you and love to interact with you a little bit. At the same time, while you're thinking about that and while you're there, in the links on YouTube and Facebook, there are links for our digital communication card. We'd love it if you'd go um, click on that link and fill out that card. We love hearing from you. We love knowing what's fresh and new. And uh, really what we love knowing is how we can pray for you. We're a family. And as we love each other, as we walk as family together, Part of how we stay connected is in prayer for one another. And that digital communication card allows us to hear from you what your prayer needs might be or what your answered prayers really are. Either way, we hope you'd go online and fill out that digital communication card. If you're watching today for the first time or second time and maybe you've never filled out one of those cards, we'd love it if you'd fill out one of those cards as well. In fact, we realize that to you it probably feels like like it takes a little, bit of, a little bit of risk. We just want to honor that. We know it takes a little courage on your part. We promise you we're not going to do anything weird with your information. We promise you we're not just going to show up at your house. We'd like to introduce ourselves a little bit, just send you a little bit of information. And we'd like to invite you back. We'd like to invite you to be a part of the family here at Harvest Community Church. So all of that said, if you're a guest and you fill out one of those cards today, to encourage you, we'd like to give $5 in your name and each of your family members' names, if you'll give them to us, to our partners at Monroe Middle School. They have a fund that supports families in crisis, and we would love to support other families because you participated in becoming a part of this family. So all of that said, we just want to say thank you for watching today. Of course, there are other links there, uh, links for giving, for instance. If you're uh, a regular attender or a member of Harvest Community Church, we want to say thank you for your faithful generosity to our mission. It allows the gospel to uh, go across our community and around our world every single week. Likewise, it allows us to continue to serve you as a part of the Harvest family. And if you're watching again, you're a guest today, this is your first, second, third time, something of that nature, please know that we don't expect any of that of you. That's our responsibility as part of the Harvest family, and we gladly take that on. So I want to pray for us today, and then I want to continue on in our study of the Word of God. Jesus, I thank you for your goodness and your grace, and I thank you for how powerful you are, how meaningful you are, how, how gracious you are. And Jesus, I ask today that your grace would go ahead of all that we talk about. That your grace would work powerfully inside our souls as we think about all the ways <laughs> that we don't measure up. And Lord, I pray that your grace would come behind everything we talk about today and make us a people who exude your grace. Jesus, just work that through our lives, in our lives, and out of our lives into everyone else's life. Lord, we pray again, as we have of late for our land, we pray that there would be grace in this world. We pray there would be peace in this world. And Lord, as we sometimes do, we pray your kingdom come. Please. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We ask you move in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we continue today our series, Soul Detox, 
We took some time a, a week or two ago, you might remember, to talk about detoxing our relationships. But I want to pivot back to ourselves today. And specifically, I want to talk about how to detox our tongues, how to detox my tongue. You know, today, again, really, we're talking about another practical, real-life issue. The reality is I've got a problem that I've tried and tried and tried to fix on my own. Now, don't feel bad for me. You have that very same problem. It's your mouth. And it gets you in trouble far, off, far more often than you would want. It gets me in trouble, mine does, far more often than I would want. It causes conflict. There's language that sometimes tends to pop out of us, like on autopilot. Sometimes we say things that hurt the people we love the most. Sometimes we say things at work that get us uh, in not so good a place. Sometimes we get off on the wrong foot with a neighbor. We start arguments we can't stop. In the end, our mouths, our tongues tend to reveal how self-oriented we are. After all, it was Jesus that said something along the lines of, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We'll come back to that today. You ever read a verse in Scripture and you wonder what it's really getting at or how it really plays out? I love to look at a verse and then see how the rest of the Bible fits. We've absorbed a lot of wisdom in this series, some from the book of Proverbs, and I want to take you there again. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. What does that mean? The tongue has the power of life and the tongue has the power of death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. If we love the power of life, we'll eat that fruit. And if we love the power of death, we'll eat that fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Likewise, another proverb, just a couple of pages later, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23 says, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity, from harm. Now, the tongue is a tough thing to detox. As Jesus said, the tongue only reveals what's down in the heart, deep in the soul. And there's a deep, deep connection between what's brewing inside of me and what spills over out of me. Does that make sense? Right? And so we've spent a lot of this series talking about what is brewing inside of us. We've spent so much time on heart and soul because really the tongue just reveals what's already there. But the tongue has such an impact on other people and on ourselves. I mean, think about it. The more you repeat something, something good or something negative, something, something positive and encouraging or something toxic and destructive. The more you repeat it, the more you begin to believe it. And the more others hear you repeat it, the more they begin to believe it. It really matters what comes out of our mouths. That being said, I want to take us to another place in Scripture. The book of James is sometimes said to be like the Proverbs of the New Testament, or the book of wisdom of the New Testament, because much of what James teaches is rooted in two places. It's rooted in the wisdom of God, and it's rooted in the teaching of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. So he's reminded us, James chapter 1, verse 19, my brothers, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
Verse 26 of James 1, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. James chapter 3, listen to these words. Not many of you should presume or should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that those who teach will be judged more strictly. Now that doesn't exactly sound like it's about the tongue, but it really is because we use our tongues to teach. And the Bible is clear in Matthew 12, Matthew 18, and other places that those of us who teach have a greater accountability. But he goes on, James 3 verse 2, to say we all stumble in many ways, Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check. Verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. He is telling us that the tongue has great influence, that it is a small thing, but has great influence, that the tongue will often start what we can't stop, and that the tongue can be used, he's going to tell us eventually at least, either for greater good or for greater evil. And because it's so powerful, like the rudder on a ship, the earlier we course correct, the better the impact, and the less the negative consequences. See, my tongue really matters because he's telling me that it sets the direction of my life that is used for good and evil, that it has an impact that lasts forever, that the tongue will shape my character, that it has the potential to build life or destroy life, and that the tongue can be easily influenced by the sinful or even the demonic. That it can corrupt my character, corrupt my destiny. It can be corrupted by hell. And the tongue has a multiplied impact that it is like a power tool, if you will. That exaggerates greatly the essence of what is in our souls as it comes out. So he goes on to say, Verse 7, that all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. To curse human beings made in God's likeness is to curse the creator who made them. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grape vine bear figs? Bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What is he saying to us? I think very, very clearly he is saying to us that I need Jesus to tame my tongue because I can't. That no human being, no man, no woman can tame their own tongue. 
that at the end of the day and the beginning of the day that I need Jesus to tame my tongue because I won't. And frankly, when I try, I can't. Now, this isn't only my problem. You know that this is true in your life. How often have you put your foot in your mouth? Sometimes in joking ways, sometimes in embarrassing ways, and sometimes in deeply, deeply hurtful ways. Only Jesus can tame the tongue. Only the grace of God can tame my tongue. The tongue is, is, is small, it's petite, but powerful. And we can be pretty petty and powerful with it. It has a far-reaching impact that, that can be perverted and polluted. And I need it to be controlled. I need it to be corralled. I need it to be cleansed. And so I need Jesus to do a work in me and in my tongue that I won't do myself. And even when I try to do myself, I can't do myself. I need Jesus to tame my tongue because I can't. So what does that process look like? What needs to happen for Jesus to tame my tongue? I want to give you five answers to that. I'm going to move through them fairly quickly. What needs to happen? What learnings need to happen in my life? For Jesus to tame my tongue. Number one, I just need to start up front by admitting my weakness. Admitting my weakness. James 3 verse 7 said, All kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. I need to not downplay the problem. I need to own the problem. At some level, we might think he's overstating how bad the tongue really is. But we tend to downplay the negative consequences of the way our tongues speak. Because we hurt the God we love with our tongues. And we hurt the people we love the most with our tongues. And it is often the tongue that produces the toxic thing that someone else hears echo in their heads and in their hearts and in their souls for a long, 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 long time. And no matter how hard we try, we can't seem to fix it. And there's an irony that we can tame the, the animals of the earth, but we cannot tame ourselves. It's the paradox, really, of every control freak wanting to try to control everything else, but unwilling to control self. Now, if you don't believe that you have a challenge with your tongue and that your tongue gets you in trouble and that you are broken and need God to absolutely grace it and fix it, if you just don't believe that, then try this test. I read about it the other day. I didn't create it. It came out of uh, something in a ministry that was created years and years and years and years ago. This, this ministry said, look, I'm going to give you a tongue assignment. And here's how it goes. Do not, for one week, try this. Write down these six things and try to keep to this for one week, seven days. Do not complain or grumble, number one. Do not boast about anything at all, number two. Do not gossip or repeat bad information about somebody else, number three. Do not run somebody down or talk somebody down even a little bit, number four. Do not defend or excuse yourself no matter what, number five. And number six, do 
always affirm other people. Just six things. Can you make it a week? I don't know if you can make it a day. I don't know if I can make it a day. Because our tendency when someone curses us is to curse back. When someone's toxic with us, it's to toxic back. When somebody's prideful with us, it's to be prideful back. When we do things that we know we shouldn't do, the temptation is to defend ourselves and speak well of ourselves and speak down of others. It is so easy to let the tongue get us in trouble. And why don't we just admit that we're weak, that we cannot do it? And that we have a problem, therefore we need Jesus. Number two, I need to put twice as much energy into listening as I do speaking. For Jesus to tame my tongue, I have to learn to listen. It's what it said back in James 1. My dear brothers and sisters, James 1.19. Take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We're the opposite, right? We're quick to become angry. We're quick to speak. We're slow to listen. And so I have to learn to put twice as much energy into listening as I do speaking. That will sometimes mean setting these things aside. That will sometimes mean focusing attention very, very clearly. That will sometimes mean being able to restate accurately what someone is trying to say to me. To put twice as much energy... into listening, is to get the first step right and will help everything else. Because if I'm listening well, I'm talking less. just happens automatically. And if I'm talking less, then I'm expressing my anger less. The reality here that I have to come to realize is that more times than not, the very best thing I can do is listen. When someone is saying something hurtful to me, the best thing I can do is listen. When someone is expressing their heart, one of the best things I can do is listen. When I have hurt someone else, one of the best things I can do is listen. And listening is a skill that will take a lot of practice. But the opportunities to practice are all around us every day. So I need to work twice as hard on that. Number three, I need to practice preventative filtering. Preventative filtering. See, I need Jesus to tame my tongue. And that means I need to admit I've got a problem, admit that I am weak. And then beyond that, it means, right, as we've just said, that I need to be quick to listen. Twice as much energy goes into listening. And if I'm going to listen more and speak less, that means I'm going to have to begin to hold my tongue, which is a biblical expression that doesn't mean Bleh. It means to not say something. He says in verse 10 here, right? Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers and sisters. This should not be. We're Christians here, but it's so easy to let both and happen in our lives. 
He's saying this should not be, that we should be withholding some of this. It's what the book of Proverbs tells us in many places over and over. Proverbs 10, 19, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. Proverbs eleven twelve: whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. That I have to learn to filter. It's what the book of Ephesians tells us. Great verse to memorize about your tongue is Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Listen to those words again. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. That means that I need to go, mm, 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 mm. I need to eat those words. Some thoughts percolate out of my mind. Mm, mm, mm. I need to eat those words. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So you've probably heard like, you know, some ways to think about filtering, right? There's, there's, uh, there's, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? There's, I've, I've heard this before. Does, do I have good motives? If I don't keep silent, does it build up? Is it confidential? Do I have permission to share it? If the person I'm speaking about was present, would they be pleased with my words? Is it true? Is it true? I mean, think about how many times that it's not just our words, it's our thumbs these days. Because so often it works its way into our posts, right? Into our social media circles, into our texting. And so often in our interactions, it's not just the tongue that gets us in trouble, it's the opposable thumbs, right? It's the typing and the, and think about how often we say something and we hit send and we're like, I should probably take that back, but I can't undo it. Just like I can't unsay something. Is it true? Is it true? Do you know how often on social media people post things that they have no idea if it is true or not? Now, I know we live in a world where everybody's a supposed expert. But how often is what you see on social media defending this particular issue or that particular issue something that somebody just saw and just said, oh, I'm going to post that. It doesn't, I don't know if it's true, but I'm going to post it because it supports what I think. Is it true? I think often, I, I've reminded this, of, this to us before, but often... We have a tendency to text things we would never, ever, ever say to another person if they were standing right in front of us. And so for me, that's one of those filtering things. You filter if your mama would be ashamed of it, then you don't text it. You filter if you wouldn't say it face to face, then you don't text it. In fact, if you're in conflict with someone, don't text it. You will never solve conflict over texting you got to get face-to-face with people for that because then they can really listen, right? And we know it's not just about the tongues. It's about the nonverbals, right? It's the facial expressions. It's the motions, the gestures, the intensity. 
So much of it matters that you cannot get over text and you will misunderstand over text more times than not, which is why I often say if you're angry, don't text, right? Find a productive way to deal with that anger. Find a way to let grace work its way through all of it. At the end of the day, I just need to know that I'm not going to be able to filter everything if I'm relying on me as a human being. And that's not to be defensive, and that's not to discard what I'm trying to say today, but that is just to say that I have to fall in the grace of Jesus because I violate these filters. And so I need the grace of Jesus actively working in me. But like we've talked about, the grace of Jesus can be preventative, not just responsive. And if the grace of Jesus is preventative, then I need to be sowing those seeds far more often. And I need to let the grace of Jesus wash over me so that I can be straight, honest, kind with others. Now, that doesn't mean there's not a moment where you have to say hard things. But what are my motives in saying the hard things? And can I say the hard things with grace? It's a good question. I need grace to work all over it, and it's why I need Jesus to tame my tongue. Number four, I have to learn this, and I'm still learning it, and you're still learning it, that I need to begin with the end in mind. That I need to begin with the end in mind. I need to ask the question, what's my end game? That every time I use my tongue, there's a choice that happens in my soul. Do I want it to be full of praise or do I want it to be full of poison? Praise and encouragement or poison and toxicity? And one of the great things to pray is that that the meditations in my heart, that the words of my mouth would be pleasing in the sight of God, right? That God would flip my words from evil to good. That grace would be what emerges no matter what I am hearing. Back up, verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. And out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. He says, he says, one exalts and the other destroys. This should not be. One builds up and the other tears down. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? He's getting at that thing of Jesus about what comes out of our mouths, comes out of our hearts, the source. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. In fact, he goes on, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. And then he goes on to talk about selfish ambition, about bitter envy. The bottom line here is that I need I need God to work in my life to know that that I want to do something with these words that I use. And so I want you to think about the people closest to you in your life and how the words come out. And then that next layer of people in your life and how the words come out. And even with your coworkers or your neighbors or people you don't know as much, 
What's the impact there? And let's go a little further. What about the people that you don't like or the people that don't like you? Right? Because Jesus told us to not only love our neighbors, but love our enemies. And so what's the impact? I just think about how Twitter or Facebook would be set afire if, if, if Christians had grace as our natural response. Proverbs says, Proverbs 12, 18, that the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. It's what he was talking about, about the, the tongue bearing the fruit of life or death. That the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15, 4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. What's the end game I'm looking for? Because God didn't really create us to do both simultaneously. He didn't create us to be people who praise him on one side and curse everybody else on the other. And so I need God, Jesus, please help control my tongue, tame my tongue. Well, well, what do you need to look at? You need to look at what you want the result to be. And if you want the result to be praise, then you can't start with poison. Does that make sense? Colossians 4, 6 reminds us to let our conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you'll know how to answer everyone just so often in our lives that we just let come out whatever is there. He reminds us that these human beings we're cursing have been made in God's image, in God's likeness. Why, why would I curse people who are image bearers of God? If I love God, then I need to love his kids. And if I love his kids in the family, I need to love those who need to be in the family. And I promise you, this doesn't just happen like, boom, you, 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 you follow Jesus, you accept Jesus into your life, and then overnight, the next day, your tongue is, is all praise and no poison. That, it doesn't work that way. You'll spend your lifetime letting Jesus tame your tongue and letting Jesus work in your soul, bringing spiritual maturity so that what fuels out of you is what God wants so that the detox happens in your soul before it happens in your tongue. Now, by the way, and we talked about this, about the ongoing conversation in our heads, but I just want to remind us, so often the tongue that destroys is often the one we're speaking to ourselves, and that creates the toxic heart and the toxic soul, which in turn comes back out in the way we toxically talk to others. And so I need grace and I need Jesus all over the whole picture, the whole perspective. It's why we spent so much time talking about detoxing our souls. So these are the words of Jesus. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. I alluded to this just a little bit ago. Luke 6, 43. No good tree bears bad fruit. Sounds familiar. It sounds like what James is saying here. 
nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What is your heart full of? The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. I guess the question I want to ask you is, who is the good man? It's not me. Who is the perfect man? It's not me. Who's the one who's able to tame the tongue? It's not me. It's Jesus, which leads me to number five, that I need to surrender my tongue to the perfect man. I need to surrender my tongue to to the man who knows how to control the tongue. To the better, (laughs) to use the language he is here, the better captain, the better pilot of the ship. Remember, right, verse 4, he said, take ships as an example. They're so large, they're driven by strong winds, but they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. I need a better pilot. Not me. I need Jesus. And I need to surrender my tongue to the perfect man. He says, we put bits, verse 3, into the mouths of horses to make them obey us so that we can turn the whole animal. I need a better jockey. I need Jesus to be the perfect man in my life, the perfect pilot, the perfect captain, the better commander. I need Jesus to tame my tongue because in the end, Only the perfect man can tame the tongue. There's only been one perfect man. And we can add women into that as well. Still only one perfect person. His name is Jesus. And he's not just a man. He's a God man. He's God in the flesh. 100% God, 100% man. He was tempted in all the ways I am, I'm sure, to use the tongue in ways he shouldn't. But in the end, he was sinless, which means his motives were always right, means his heart was always checked, means that the words that came out were the words that were supposed to come out, the words of God himself. I need that perfect man to tame my imperfect tongue. Does that make sense? It sure does to me. I just know at the end of the day, I am not the perfect man. But that's why Jesus came. And so I'm committed to get up tomorrow and say, Jesus, today I need you. I need you to cancel some of the destructive things I've said. I need your grace to wash over my tongue so that my tongue can have your grace spill out of it today. Jesus, I need you to take charge. I need you to take over. I need you to be Lord over the dark parts of not just my tongue, but my soul. This is why we've talked about a soul detox for so long. Verse 2 said we all stumble in many ways. We all do. That if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Jesus is the perfect man I need. I need Jesus to tame my tongue. Because I can't.
so do you. I want to pray that for your life. I always end with two prayers. The first is a prayer of salvation, and the second is a prayer of application. It's really a prayer of discipleship for those of us who follow Jesus. So if you need Jesus today, and you're convinced today, you know what, I admit it, I got a problem, I am weak, my tongue gets me in trouble far more, I can tell you story after story after story, I need forgiveness for that, and a billion other things. If you would say that today, would you just receive Jesus today? It's not a matter of you being good enough for him. It's why we call it grace. It's not a matter of you making your tongue better and then God will come to you. It's why we call it grace. Grace is God's undeserved kindness, undeserved blessing. So would you just receive it? Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins, for your tongue. Would you receive his forgiveness and his grace today? And pray with me just like this. Dear Jesus, I admit that my tongue... And for that matter, my soul, (laughs) they fall so short. And so, Jesus, I turn to you. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I believe that you rose again and you're alive today. And so I put my faith in you, and I ask that you live in me and live through me and tame my tongue. Jesus, not only be be in my life, but be God of my life. Be God over my life. All of it, Jesus. I give my life to you, and I ask this, please, that you would just receive me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that just now, He will receive you. In fact, he has. Heaven is celebrating and cheering right now, and we'd love to celebrate with you. Would you let me know that you prayed that prayer? You can fill out the digital communication card we mentioned earlier. Check the box as I become a follower of Jesus for the first time. You can email me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com. I would love to talk with you about what it means to be a part of the family of God, why you're not alone and you don't have to walk alone. All of that said, a lot of you prayed this prayer or a similar prayer many moons ago. And yet your tongue still needs some taming. And if that's you, would you pray this with me? Prayer of application, a prayer of discipleship. Jesus, please tame my tongue because I can't. Change my soul. Fill me with praise prayer, and encouragement. Remove what is toxic, detrimental, poisonous. I admit that I am weak, and that you are strong. So be the perfect captain, Lord, in my life. Help me to put far more energy into listening. Help me to filter my words and hold my tongue. Help me to be a person whose soul and tongue are, able, are, are quite able to help others see you, to help others want you, and to help others want to be loved and graced by you. Jesus, may the words of my mouth 
and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Please, Jesus, I pray in your name. And I pray this for all my friends as well. Amen. Amen. I am so thankful you're worshiping Jesus with us today. I'm so thankful you're allowing Jesus to tame your tongue and work in your soul and detox your life. And I hope that this series has been such a blessing. We're going to come back next week and we're going to talk about how to detox religion. I think it's so important that we understand the difference, the difference between religion and our relationship with Jesus. So between now and then, just remember, friends, not only do we love you, but more importantly, God does. You are loved. I'll see you next week.